Many drugs are illegal to buy or sell. You also can't sell sex in most parts of the country or engage in many forms of gambling unless you run a casino or other specialized establishment. Yet, it is not illegal to poop in someone's mouth, as long as both parties are consenting. In Germany, they even struggled for years to decide if it was murder or manslaughter for a guy to literally kill and eat another guy, because the fact was that both those guys really liked the idea of one of the guys being eaten. That left the legal system totally confused as to what kind of crime had been committed. But that wasn't the only thing that confused them. More than that, I think they simply couldn't empathize with the parties involved, and that lack of empathy made it hard to make a fully informed judgment on what was right and what was wrong. We have laws that keep consenting adults from selling drugs or sex to each other, because lawmakers believe these issues are concerns to your average person. They think that most people have the potential to suffer from some form of harm if sex and drugs are not regulated in those ways. As for people who want to eat poop, the law doesn't care as much about them. It doesn't want to be as parental towards them because they think those behaviors only affect those on the fringe. Also, it's fucking weird to eat poop. And as we all know, the law is less likely to protect or even acknowledge those that it deems to be weird. In 2019, that's where most lawmakers are with loot boxes. The whole concept of them is just too weird for them to even think about litigation. That's why, and Jim doesn't know I'm doing this, but that's why I'm calling for you, the listeners of this podcast, to put together a grassroots movement to have Jim Sterling elected as our next United States president. Now, I know there's laws that might get in the way of that for now, but laws, as they say, were meant to be broken. If we want to have powerful, effective legislation on loot boxes, there's only one way it's ever going to happen. Jim Sterling for president, 2020, and I'll be his running mate, sure. Tell me what Jonathan was on Road Rules Northern Trail in 1998. Since then, he has appeared in precisely zero award-winning TV shows, blockbuster movies, or community theater plays. We are here to fix this. We are here to make Jonathan off Road Rules a star. Boston's favorite son will ride again. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to dream a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. That's my new, um, I call it my my classic medley. (laughs) That's hot. (laughs) Singing at parties. It is a classic medley. It's a classic medley. There's two classics, but I mean, <laughs> did they meddle? Did they medley to the, together? Wow, that's really not cool of you to say that about the Ink Spots. Yeah, if the Ink Spots are listening now, and I know they are, they are going to be bloody furious with you, Jonathan. That, the Ink Spots is that who did the uh, the first one there in the medley? Yeah. I believe so. Because the second one was the Smashing Pumpkins, I think. Well, no, the first one was I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. The second one was Mr. Sandman. Oh. And the third was, the, uh, the was it Bullet with Butterfly there. Wings? No, yes. no, no, no. The third one is Lucky by Britney Spears. Oh, right, right. I didn't even realize there was three different songs. That's how ignorant. That's how ignorant I am. That's how smooth that medley was. She's so lucky. She's a star, but she cry, cry, cries with a lonely heart, baby. You've got pipes. You've got... That's that's the Billy Corgan classic right there. You, you could be the masked singer. I just saw Dr. Drew. I watched normal... Oh, God. Okay. Spoilers. Oh, sorry. I think... Apparently, spoilers. <laughs> it was, no, it's re- it was revealed uh, on Access Hollywood. Yeah, I know, but I... I okay. 
I got shit from someone a week ago or two weeks ago for revealing that someone was the masked singer because they hadn't gotten around to watching the premiere yet. Was it a video game related guy? It might have been. I think I know what you mean. I'm sorry, masked singer TiVoers. So Dr. Drew, huh? Drew Pinsky. Yeah, he sang opera style and it was okay. Apparently he was training to become an opera singer when he was a child, which explains a lot. Jonathan, I think you should be the masked singer. <laughs> Not me. And you. How about you? No, Not me. no, no, no. Me? No, 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 no. I mean, what would I sing? Why would I do it? Who would, what mask would even... I don't know. I don't know enough about the masked singer to make this bit work. <laughs> I can, t- it's like... I need to watch it and then I can understand it. It's very simple. You only need to watch seconds of it or hear my five second explanation. People listen to someone sing. The person is wearing a costume and then they take off the mask and reveal who it was. And then people are like, whoa. And um, I'm sorry. I think they do guess who it is first. So it's like one of those uh, talent show shows, except you don't have to be talented. You just need to wear a mask and then people will guess. Okay. We can get you on that. We can stick a Chewbacca mask on your head and get you to sing the theme tune to Ulysses 31. (laughs) The theme song to what? Ulysses, no one else can do the things you're doing. What? Ulysses. Was it Ulysses 31 or Ulysses 3031 or something? I don't know. (laughs) They usually sing songs people know and they sing in a style that is surprising. Ulysses 31. I remember it a little bit. We'll play a bit for the listeners now. Justin, can you put a little bit of the Ulysses 31 <laughs> intro in here? Otherwise, I'm going to come across as really fucking stupid. That's strong. Never, never stupid, but um, it would be hard for people to understand. Well, it is a great theme song. Uh, I mean, I, I would be better off singing something anyone knows. I think you should go on there and do skateboard tricks. <laughs> so? I think you should go on there, right? Wearing a mask, uh, an ape mask. It's usually more elaborate. Like, Dr. Drew is dressed like <laughs> no, a giant yes. bald eagle, and you're like, oh, no. not just a, a this is This is you <laughs> wearing denim shorts, a stained vest, and just a cheap rubber ape mask, and you come on dragging a skateboard behind you on a piece of string, and you just look at everyone and say, I am Jonathan Holmes. <laughs> just say your name. I am Jonathan Holmes and I'm here to do skateboard tricks. This is what we call market disruption. I've already told you my name and I'm not even singing. Gonna do a sick trick on a skateboard. Flippy-doo! And then you jump on the skateboard and you just stamp on it with your feet. Just go flippy-doo! Ollie! 360 spin! And if anyone gives you any fucking trouble, that's when you reach into the pockets of your your denim shorts and you just start throwing dog food at them. You say, get away from me, hounds! They wouldn't be deterred. They would, I mean, they would immediately stop in their tracks and be afraid that they were going to get hurt. The fight or flight would kick in, but the the brain would analyze the threat and realize that's just dog food. And if if they've got any problem with it, I'll be there. Wearing a dirty overcoat with a whip, and I'll just be whipping at them, going yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. genuine. Yeah, we'll have insinuated ourselves into the backing choir. Yeah, that's uh, there to you know ostensibly sing along with you, and so then when the shit goes down, we just pull out the bull whips. Yeah, but I mean, we'll have hats on. Well, suddenly getting feisty around here. Uh, here in the office, somebody. Walked by me today and said, so, you doing your podcast today? And I was like, uh, I didn't know you knew I did a podcast. Like, yeah, I heard you swearing and screaming the other week. It was interesting. And I was like, oh, I, but you sit way over here. And they're like, yeah, I heard. I mean, I was walking by, but I was also not walking by. I can still hear it. I'm like, I should stop. No, no, you do you. That's brilliant. You enjoy yourself. Yeah. I'm like, I... But I don't want the whole office to know of me as a screaming, swearing man. Uh, no, 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 no. You First of all, did your co-worker then pick up a phone and go, Girls, bastards, what do you want? <laughs> it was very Janine, your co-worker. I'm not going to say her name. It's Janine now. 
I think you should be known at work as the screaming, swearing man. And I think you should turn up wearing, oh, I don't know. Uh, let's say some denim shorts, <laughs> a dirty vest and a rubber eight mask. And you just walk through the office and you say, what up, dicks? Fuck. It's not the only reason I can do this show at all. And then is... when anyone comes near you, Janine comes near you, she says, oh, hi. And you just go, ah! And that's when you grab the dog food out of your pockets and you start pushing it through the eye holes of your mask. Wow. So And you've got some in your mouth as well. And you sp- spit it out through the mouth hole of the mask. You just go, Janine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, the only reason I can do this show as it is with some swearing and screaming sometimes. I mean, it's not like I'm out in the hallway. I've got a closed door. I'm deep in an office that's far away from other people. Yeah. And yet somehow they still found out. It's because my boss doesn't work on the day we record this. So if she was ever here for this, I would be potentially in huge, no. huge trouble. If anything, if there ever comes a time when I have to be like, can't do the show anymore, it's only because of day job dangers, uh, which are, are around me all the time. It's a scary life I lead. I, I can't imagine that you know somebody in a position of authority with a serious job would hear what you say here and have any thought other than this guy's got to be famous yeah if anything if i were a boss listening to this i think not only does he deserve a promotion i want to hire the other two (laughs) it's not you say that you're afraid of your workplace people are like this across america terrified of their bosses of Big Uncle Sam executives fiscal. They are scared to lose their jobs. Stop being afraid of your office and instead bring the fear to the office. Bring, make other people afraid? With a pair of denim shorts, a dirty vest, and a rubber ape mask. The rubber, the rubber mask of an ape, Jonathan. It's not scare. It's not sca- you could be the scarecrow. From Batman? Yeah, that way you'd never be scared again of work and they'd be terrified of you with your burlap sack on your head and your big dirty floppy farmer's hat, your dirty vest and your jean shorts. That's, I mean... And your fear gas. There's no fear. There's no fear gas. There's there's laughing gas. There's a fire extinguisher. (laughs) Close enough. It does make people afraid. Yep. And you just spray a fire extinguisher in people's faces while going, spiders, 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 ghosts, 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 just to really scare them. It's not, it's, I mean, I'm I'm scared just thinking about it, but not of the spiders or ghosts. I'm scared for me losing the ability to pay the rent and I'm, I'm the breadwinner. Oh, Jonathan. You could also mash dog food into the nozzle of the fire extinguisher, so that sprays everywhere. That will make it a scary gas. They will not expect that. Yeah. Anyone comes near you, you go, Fuck off, Batman! My, my work came to me today and said, Hey, we're putting together a video, and it's going to be shown to legislators, senators, and congressmen in Washington, D.C., and then it's going to go up on our Facebook page, and being in it could really help you make uh, legwork and make a, a splash with the CEO. He's looking at this video. for, And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I can do it, but if this gets posted to our Facebook page, every comment is just going to be, Jonathan, if I stick a corn cob in your ass, will you squeal or will you just uh, ask for more? You know, whatever. There's no way I can ever do anything professionally on the internet in any way without that being like every comment forever. Jonathan, if I put a cock up your ass though, which way are you going? <laughs> I would say ouch or, or youch. I would I would let you know it, it hurt, I think. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You wouldn't do it? I wouldn't just let any old stranger put a corn cob up my ass. What you talking about, Jonathan, you weird pervert? I'm I not saying I would permit it, but if I were, you know, I mean, I'd have to be nude, which, like, never happens. That happens, like, once a day for as long as it takes to, to take a shower or using the, the restroom to rest and to, to relieve myself. Maybe then someone could sneak sneak a little corn in there. But it's very unlikely. Not likely. And if they did do it, if it was 
a big corn, I would say, youch. And if it was a little corn, I'd say, meh. What's the point? Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't say. Get a bigger cob. <laughs> but but the visual of inserting one of those, like, those little baby corn ears. That's what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the only kind I would not say, youch. I would say, huh. And then turn around and be like, oh, that's what that is. Puzzled. I guess that that's the problem with, with corn buggery is it's sort of a game of extremes. It's either going to be too big or too small for you. I, I don't know a lot about it. I know that um, someone, you know, if I don't know if you knew this, Jim, but if you go on Twitter and say something, even if it's totally innocent, and just coming from your perspective of, hey, I am someone who does this with my life. I don't know everything about everything, but this seems a little weird to me. People may jump down your throat and call you the next Alex Jones for whatever reason. There was a guy who was in England who was like, how come Americans use lube so much? That's kind of weird. And he people jumped down his throat. And uh, his response eventually was, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that everyone who does anal uses lube. Now I know. It's just anal is, is very popular. Well, people take it very seriously. He was – people were very mad at him for his lube uh, racism, his lubism. Well, I mean, yeah. As, I mean, that is the response that you should get to someone who attempts anal without lube. <laughs> I don't think he – I don't think he even knew about anal really. He just heard about it on like the newlywed game and stuff. He didn't know what actually happened when you anal it when you, or when you are analed. When I upload this podcast – there's a drop-down list of categories. Is that right? Yeah. Now, for the first few episodes, I selected entertainment, and that felt dishonest. <laughs> <laughs> and then I discovered there was another category. Oh. Comedy. Now, here's a paradox. Never have I felt more accurate, yet more dishonest. I don't even know how that works. That means you're you're innovating. Things are things are not fitting traditional definitions. You're creating things that there's not even words for yet. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in a way I'm a sort of creative trailblazer by coming up with a podcast where it's acceptable, expected to talk about shoving corn cobs up your asshole. It's not even if if people if you didn't say anything I guess, and I guess it was this me this time it was me. It's such white noise to people at this point that if it gets turned off, then they feel like a stark, sudden jolt of what is going on. Like the the ass was not mentioned once. What is this? Are they okay? Is this some cry for help? Uh, seven seven years? How long? Long time we've been doing this kind of stuff, more or less. I got no ideas to make you famous today, Jonathan. It's hard, I know. It's it gets difficult sometimes. Not because of anything you do wrong, Jonathan. You're a hot commodity. Oh, thanks. People need to get on the Jonathan tip. And they need to get on Jonathan's tip. First and foremost, just sit on it and spin around for a minute. No, that's not good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just sort of you lie back backwards naked very nude by oh. the way um penis fully erect mine oh who else is not common not likely people will sit on it and then just spin around for a bit going Wee! <laughs> not even sexual it doesn't sound like no no just hijinks <laughs> <laughs> so where they would use that word so i'm, I'm gonna tell you about something i did recently hmm. Yeah. I guess, and and because it relates to you, sorta. Uh, I write for a magazine called Nintendo Force, and I got to I pitched very hard to write a, even a blurb about this video game coming out called Deadly Premonition Two: A Blessing in Disguise. And the the magazine I, I asked several times, can I review Deadly Premonition? And they just didn't respond because it's a, a, a family friendly magazine. It's called, and the the guy who runs it, a wonderful guy named Lucas Thomas. He is um, he's quite liberal in his politics, is my understanding, but he's conservative when it comes to sex violence and things that might be considered not family friendly. And and Deadly Premonition, I don't know if you've played it. It's got it's got some content to it that may not be suitable for younger viewers, so to speak. Uh, when I was writing the review, I was trying to sell people on it, or writing the preview of Deadly Premonition 2. I mentioned the first game and said, 
that they review Xanadu in the game, if I remember correctly. You're driving around as uh, Agent Francis York Morgan, and he says, like, Xanadu is a heck of a movie or something like that. And the medley you did at the start of this podcast reminded me a lot of the film Xanadu starring. Xanadu! Yeah, Olivia Newton-John. I think Gene Kelly is in it. The guy from The Warriors. Yeah, uh, Jeff Lynn of the Electric Light Orchestra wrote that song. ELO did half the soundtrack. Yeah. Their only number one hit was Xanadu. It's it's a great song. And it plays for like, I think, 25 minutes in the movie. Like, they're not shy about using it. It goes on forever. Yeah. And there's a scene in Xanadu, the movie, where Gene Kelly and uh, the guy from The Warriors go to a, a warehouse. And Gene Kelly is like, this is great. I'm gonna make a million bucks. And the guy from the Warriors who's wearing like really short shorts and a big Hawaiian uh, shirt is like, I don't know anything about anything. He's like, you're gonna be my partner. We're gonna make big money. Over here, a bandstand. And then they start playing like a bandstand song. And then the guy from the Warriors is like, what about 80s rock and roll? And then they play 80s rock and roll for a long time. Like a long time. Like feels like 15 minutes. It was of... critically panned to the film. <laughs> it's it's, ter- it's it's <laughs> People weren't fond of it. <laughs> and then over the course of many, many minutes, eventually the bandstand, like the 50s style bandstand and the 80s style rock forms one song. But it takes a long time to get there. And maybe I could do that. Maybe that's how I could be famous is where I was going with this. Nah. come on i do know a lot about stuff that people don't care about and that's a big part of the xanadu appeals like nobody cares about it i think you could be famous as the host of a show called jonathan holmes's luxury shits (laughs) this is a great idea no that doesn't appeal to any of my strengths i i do know about 80s movies i know about like 50s stuff sometimes Mm -hmm. that that's all part of this that's part of it your your knowledge of the 1950s and 90s 80s pop culture Mm -hmm. particularly the 80s musical scene plays a big role in jonathan holmes's luxury shits now how how i mean i will first of all let me explain the premise please let me explain the premise of this show that i'm sure netflix will option as a 10 season special 10 10, ten episode special oh 10 episodes a little more realistic but yeah 10 so. seasons of 10 episodes 10 seasons up front that's 100 episodes <laughs> for those keeping count at home of jonathan holmes's luxury shits a netflix original <laughs> they're gonna want to put their name on it netflix oh absolutely front and mm. center this will be the new russian doll you will sit there on a toilet jonathan pants round your ankles it's already bad Mesh tank top on. No. We'll dress you for it. Now, the show will start with, with me and Conrad dancing around you saying, dress you for toilet, dress you for toilet. <laughs> and you're, you're wearing like a tuxedo at that point because we're luxurious. Oh, every episode you start out wearing something different, some other oh, elegant, yeah. extravagant outfit. Sometimes a giant baby romper suit. The height of decadence. That's not... Dress you for toilet, dress you for toilet. So we'll take you out of that clothing and put you into your toilet clothes. We've got big shears, like in Rocky Horror Picture Show when they cut Dr. Frankenfurter's um, smock off. We cut up the sides of your tuxedo or your baby romper suit and we (laughs) we cut all the clothes off you. And then we grab a mesh tank top. Dress up for toilet, put on your mesh tank top, we sing, and we drag that over your head. You lift your arms up like a child getting dressed. You lift your arms up and say, I am ready to be dressed for toilet. Like a robot? (laughs) Just very very stern about it. Say it now. Say it now? Yeah, say it now. (laughs) I am ready to be dressed for toilet. Wow. Felt, felt bad. Wow. <laughs> like the the presence, the magnetism in Definitely that just don't feel good about what where how that could be used. The BAFTA's in the bag. That's in the that's the bag? A minute? Oh yeah. The moment they hear you say I am ready to be dressed for toilet. The moment? You can't go to club. I get a golden. So you think you don't think that's going to get me fired from my day job? You think that's an award winner? You think that's a? You won't even need 
change your day job. Netflix will be like, fuck, I'm glad we got in here before Hulu did. <laughs> Let me get this straight, Jim. That's what Dr. Netflix, the CEO of Netflix, is saying in the boardroom. Like, Let me get this straight, Jim. Did he say he's ready to be dressed for toilet? <laughs> I mean, that's the Emmy consideration campaign right there, right? Mm. You got billboards all over Hollywood with a close-up <laughs> of your face and just the text for your consideration. I am ready to be dressed for toilet. With my face. You've seen my face. Yeah, and to give the world a head start, I've already printed off posters with your face. And my face is not... You've seen it. You know it's not what they want. I mean... It's great! Thanks. It's... I mean, I'd be going up against Handmaid's Tale. I'd be going up against... Uh, I don't know how they're going to qualify the Breaking Bad movie, but they might qualify that for, for Emmys. I'm going against the real deal. There'll be a clip of Handmaid's Tale being like... Are we all fucked? They don't actually say that in the show, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Breaking bad, you know, like, I am the one who knocks. <laughs> yeah. Good place, you know, all that stuff. And then me. I am ready to be dressed for toilet. <laughs> serious, feelingless, nothing man. Just a complete, completely devoid. You have your arms raised up. No, no normalcy, no humanity. Just me, a bald, 42-year-old, tired... Slightly overweight gentleman. Stood there wearing your wife fronts. And I'd like there to be a few dots of yellow on the front of your wife fronts, please. Um, I know you can handle that for me. What? Um, is it mustard? What don't is worry that? about it. Uh, wear socks with sock suspenders. And then you've got your arms raised up. I am ready to be dressed for toilet. <laughs> That'll go right. That will be. That will go down in history next to Brian Cranston saying, say my name. Oh, yeah. In Breaking Bad. Is that what he did? Yeah. I've, I haven't seen enough of that show. Uh, I When I think of classic lines, I, of course, think of uh, I Love Lucy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Honey, I'm Home, and the uh, Plane, which is a different yeah. guy. Yeah, from... Honey, I'm Home, the Plane, ready to be dressed for toilet. <laughs> it's not, they're not the same. They're not the same. Well, I mean, they, but uh, okay, I have to admit, there's no accounting for taste. There's no knowing what's going to get popular anymore. They'll love it. Nobody would have ever seen these things coming. Walking Dead, people thought that'll last a season. Nobody's going to watch zombies on TV. Never happened before. They're in their 10th season. So anything's possible, but I just Basically, don't... the message is, if it sounds like a bad idea, do it. Because <laughs> you never know. It might be good. So anyway... You raise your arms up really quickly and go, I am ready to be dressed for toilet. Me and Conrad look at each other and say, he's ready, he's ready, he's ready, he's ready, he's ready, he's ready. And that's when Conrad grabs the mesh tank top and like pulls that down over your head. Then I lead you by the hand to the bathroom. I forgot this was still a show. So this is a show called... I'm not going to say it, but it's about, it's still about me going. Jonathan know. Holmes's luxury shit. Yeah, it's still that. So that's still where you're going with it. Where did you think you were going when we dressed you for toilet? I just thought it was over. I thought that no. was, you know. No, 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 no. That's just, that's just act one of every episode. Wow. That's the opening sequence. Yeah. That's the titles. And it's a 10, it's a 10 season show. Yeah, the audience is loving it already and they've only just seen you get dressed for toilet. We lead you into the, the, the toilet, pull your wife fronts down, and then you sit on the bowl on the porcelain throne, and it'll feel like a throne because of how luxurious it is. And basically, it's a 30-minute episode of you taking a lovely dump. No. Yeah, well, we pamper you. We pamper and preen you. But what about my knowledge of 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s entertainment trivia? That's... What about when Conrad's serving you a delicious roast chicken on a silver platter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While you <laughs> take doesn't... a massive dump. It doesn't play to my... I don't have many strengths. I mean, there is a case to be made for the fact that when I talk about stuff no one cares about, which is kind of a lot, it's sort of like me releasing excrement of my mind mm. from my mouth. Yeah. It's sort of a mouth shit, sort of. What about when Jim is performing a scalp massage as you squeeze and squeeze your sphincter? Yep. Massaging your scalp. We'll have two. Like you talked about the Handmaid's Tale. We'll have Handmaid's. 
They'll be washing your feet and kissing in them. While I'm while I'm yeah. defecating. While I'm They'll have this sweet little they'll have this sweet little like like ivory. Yeah. Ivory you can't it's illegal to have the amount of ivory we've wasted making these because we've made a different football for every episode. <laughs> Um, out of rare ivory and we filled it up with rose water and there's rose petals in it and these ladies come on and they dip your feet slowly into it and just start kissing and licking your feet wow while you take a dump that's i feel so badly for them and for me there are different ways there are different ways we can shower you with luxury how about a big leaf how about we fan you with a big leaf? <laughs> it's really it's weird that you would say that because just last night a kid in the neighborhood got a big leaf and then my son took it and ripped it in half and the kid was very sad. <laughs> so I feel like I owe someone a big leaf. You owe yourself a big This is your big leaf treat. We could do that every episode. Something for the, the fans to look forward to. A big leaf treat? What <laughs> time is it? it you, and then you look at the camera and say, it is time. <laughs> You say, it is time for my big leaf treat. <laughs> what? It's not a... How... In what... No one... There's no one who thinks it's a treat. You say, it is time for my big leaf treat. Mm. And it cuts to me dressed up like a butler, dressed up like Jeeves. And I'll say, mm, time for your big leaf treats. While Conrad gets some whipped cream and squeezes it on your head and places a little cherry on it. Squeezes? There's so much squeezing in this this show. Just so, just like that. Just to put a lovely, so that you're a lovely pudding. Uh, and then Conrad will look at you and say, you're a lovely toilet pudding. You're a lovely toilet pudding. God, that's brilliant. That melts my heart. And then I come on. With a giant leaf, dressed up like a butler. It is me, sir. Here to leaf the toilet pudding down. And then I wave the leaf at you. And someone will do your nails. So uh, you're leafing it at me? Just waft, wafting it. <laughs> so I don't even get a big leaf. You use a big leaf to waft me while, yeah, while my nails are Yeah, because it's probably going to be... I say probably. It's definitely going to be hot in there. We've cranked the AC up to a toasty 86. While cameras roll. I mean... Oh, yeah. This is definitely a three-camera situation. Three-camera. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. want multiple angles. Yeah, I found three GoPros. Didn't just last time we recorded this, I had a terrible defecation idea for a stand-up comedian who poops his pants, and now you're saying, no, 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 that's that's not good. We don't want to make it as though pooping your pants isn't good. We want you to to, to, to release feces into a toilet. We want you to, look, this will be educational. It'll show people. Like, if you're trying to potty train a kid or a dog, you can sit them in front of Jonathan Holmes' luxury shits and say, look how good it is to do toilet proper. I mean, I think I think we all know as a society, people are very interested in seeing how the other, ha- uh, the other half shits, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's we'll not feed that. you grapes. You can roll your head back and say, toilet pudding wants grapes. <laughs> I am now called Toilet Pudding. <laughs> that is my name, and I speak in third person. Well, yeah, that's, you became the Toilet Pudding when, when we put the whipped cream of the cherry on, on your head. I didn't know I was anointed the, the pudding. Yeah. I called you a lovely Toilet Pudding. I don't understand. The handmaids will start nibbling on you. Wow. Just lovingly, just nibbling and kissing you, saying, mmm, tasty Toilet Pudding. <laughs> that's really... And you will say, I agree. <laughs> But I would not, and I am not. I, how many not? Just stone-faced, your hands on your knees, a, a platter of chicken laying across your lap. While I'm, there smells like feces in there. It's going to smell like uh, bowel movement. Oh, definitely, because the fan's going to be really circulating around that stink. Yeah. So you don't want chicken, you don't want to put any, you don't want to pretend to be food, you don't want to eat food, you don't want anyone nibbling on you. And you said the other half, you're saying that half, there's another half that does this already? This is the luxurious shit that you're receiving here. (laughs) Yeah, you represent the ideal of wealth that the middle American aspires to. So you think this is like what the the the, the cultural elite are are doing or want to do? Yeah, or, or aspiring to do. We'll get some gold enamel paint and we'll we'll paint your testicles. 
What? And and we'll say, how about these for Golden Globes? <laughs> Why would anyone see my test? No, my testicles can't be shown on Netflix. No, no, no. I'll um, you can do anything on Netflix. Can you? I'll I'll put on a. a uh, latex glove and I'll reach between your legs into the bowl and I'll grab your your testicle skin and pull them up. Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll say look at that. You will say look at that. And I will just be speechless or Yeah, I've given up on <laughs> I've given up on painting them. I just want to show them to the cat. I'll just say look at that and then I'll let it's go. Really, it's not great. I mean I don't know what standards one uses to assess testicles. I don't know what the measures and comparisons are, but it's they mine can't be great. They can't be amongst the best, I don't think. What is it good? What's good in a testicle? Does anyone even know? Do you know? We can interview you. About it? About how you're shitting. Why? We'll get like a microphone and we'll put it like <laughs> right up to your mouth so that like your lips are touching it. So like So everything you say is like that. Wow. And we'll we'll keep passing the microphone back, so I'll be like Jonathan. <laughs> how does it feel when you shit? <laughs> No one wants to. No one wants to know the answer. Nobody's. Nobody wants this. Nobody likes this. No one. Jonathan, did you need to do a wee wee at the same time you did a poo? And I'm supposed to answer that somehow. Yeah, yeah. In a in a, in an entertaining way. In a way you could that... say you could say you know like I did not need to, but a bit of wee came out when I pooed. Just like eye contact, serious face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Informing the people. So they they can know and they want to know. I think they want to know. Mm. I want to know. Uh, yeah, I definitely think the people at home are going to want to know. No one's a unique snowflake in this world, Jonathan. No one is special. If I want to know how it feels when you poo and whether some wee came out when you did it, stands to reason others will want to know too. Would you like some mashed potato when you shit? <laughs> to eat? Yeah, they'll have some butter on it. Well, that's a, I, I said this... Last week, because now I think like this now, too, because we talk all the time yeah. like this. And now this is what I'm like. You've done this to me, I think. <laughs> I was saying that my stand-up comedian who just poops in his pants the whole time on stage, he would need to be eating, too, in order to maintain enough material. you got to maintain a flow, yeah. Yeah. That's how it works. It's gross. Anything you don't eat, we will just sort of scoop down between your legs into the toilet. <laughs> so when you, like... When you look at the camera and say toilet pudding has had enough of chicken, we, we just push the chicken down between your legs and then you can say, oh, it's like I'm giving birth on the toilet. <laughs> That's how excited I am about giving birth. <laughs> just completely. Nothing phases me in this show. No, I'm just completely, no. I'm so cool. I'm the definition of cool. Like Han Solo, James Bond. I mean, that's the thing about luxury is you get desensitized. Mm. Nothing feels impressive or special anymore. Not when you've eaten mashed potato on the toilet while pooing. I mean, it don't get more decadent. That's the fall of Rome right there. And then when you just say, I have had enough, we, we'll scrape the mashed potato down between your legs. Wow. What waste. I mean, the best bit, when people see us putting the chicken down there, putting the mashed potato down there, dumping the rose water down there. Let's face it, at the end of every episode when we flush, people are going to love it. Mm. They're going to wonder... If what's gonna, they're gonna be scared. Hopefully, they're gonna have some empathy. When we pull, when we pull the chain on the toilet and look at you dead in the eyes and say, "You stay sat there," because it's gonna back up. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I'm, my my hindquarters, my lower extremities are gonna be soaked with urine, feces, mashed potatoes, chicken, rose water, and whatever else. Ice cream. <laughs> it's gonna. It's truly one of the most disgusting thoughts i have ever had in my life they're all mixed together it's very very gross i understand i get why you're apprehensive about this is it because when we cut your clothes off everyone's gonna see your chemical brothers tattoo <laughs> i don't have a chemical brothers tattoo i don't even know i can't i there's aphex twin and then there's them and i don't know the difference really your aphex twin tattoos on your ankle i don't think anyone's gonna see it until they wash your feet <laughs> They did um, Come to Daddy, right? And the Chemical Brothers did Get Busy Child. Is that right? Uh, probably. I can't. I can't keep it straight. I'm very, very bad at these things. Um, 
I know I know some things, but those are things I do not know. I was getting really upset all week. I don't know if you know this, but there's something about me that makes people want to say things to me that will bother me. Mm. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, almost everyone in my entire life does it on purpose. Weird. They're probably trying to help and you're just not cooperating. I don't know if that's true. So it came to light here in my, my day job that I strongly dislike the lyrics in the only two Hootie and the Blowfish songs I really know. And I really get upset when I think about them. Right. And instead of my boss being like, huh, I like that song, but hey, if you don't like it, that's fine. They just come up behind me now and go... You and me, we come from different worlds while well, I'm trying to work. They're like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? The dolphins make me cry. I'm like, you know I hate that. And they're like, hey, got him. Like, of course you got me. I told you I hate the... But they still feel a, a strong sense of satisfaction about haunting me with Hootie and the blowfish. And it really hurts. Everyone wants to hurt me a little bit. Yeah, I don't know about Jib, but this story is not in any way relatable to me. No. <laughs> I was just letting, I'm sort of normalizing it for you guys because you've been doing it for a while. But uh, other people, when they want to hurt me a little bit, they just say like, uh, let her cry. And I go, ugh, such bad lyrics. You know, good, decent song, catchy chord progressions, not original, you know, just same three or four chords. But but they couldn't write any lyrics that had any meaning at all. Meaningless lyrics. It's one of my one of my bugaboos. Actually, I agree with you on this. You do? I'll make you right on that. Wow. That is very rare. Dear God. The song? Remember that song? By, is it with XTC, was it? It is XTC, and I sort of like it. Let me look up the lyrics. I'll show you my fucking problem with it. Oh, that song's lyrics. I believe the uh, lead singer disavowed the song. I think you're right, yeah. I thought it was a little bit, found it a little bit embarrassing in the end. It's right in the first, it's the third line. Dear God, hope you got the letter and I pray you can make it better down here. I don't mean a big reduction in the price of beer. Awful lyric. <laughs> it's just what, what rhymes with here. And there are so many words that rhyme with here. Yeah. So you think that's comparable to, I mean, so he is at least. I don't mean a big reduction in the price of beer. Just, oh, I'm relatable. <laughs> Some of us don't even like beer. I think it tastes awful, Jonathan. Beer? I, I don't like most alcohol tastes. Uh, I haven't drank in a while. That is not on any level as bad as Hootie and the Blowfish, though. Like, I hate to pull rank. Like, that, sure, that's not a great lyric. But he's at least speaking about something. There's some idea. There's a metaphor. There's a, a situation where uh, someone's talking to God and expressing thoughts and feelings. Hootie and the Blowfish. Do you know them? Do you know them? Do you know them? I had a lady friend once who... Um hated Hootie and the Blowfish and and said that she uh, her respect for anyone who liked Hootie and the Blowfish like would go downhill if she found out they did like them. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to take it to that level, but I can relate with her. They've got a song where he goes, Going out of my mind, oh, thinking about time. He's not telling you anything about time. He's just letting you know he's thinking about it. Yeah. He's going out of his mind. <laughs> That's his deep thought. It's from the point of view of a child. Why would the child want a reduction in the price of beer, Jonathan? <laughs> okay, you got me there. Because it is at the end, if I remember correctly, that song he's going on about Holy Ghost and my, my, my Holy Host. Which isn't great either, if, if I'm remembering that right. It's not a well-written song. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, it's suddenly a little boy goes, it's you. Yeah. So it was a boy the whole time with a man's voice. It's a YouTube atheist video in song form. <laughs> and I say this as someone who doesn't really believe in God. I used to like listening to it quite a bit, but, but the more I think about it, the more I think I hate it. It's, it's an interesting song. You have to give it that. Whereas Hootie and the Blowfish... I don't know. Maybe there's someone who is really interested in the fact that he, Darius Rucker, is just thinking about time. Going out of his mind, just thinking, wow, time is passing me by. It's really, it's really time, isn't it? It's happening. This really, like, drives you crazy. And I know this because you know the man's name is Darius Rucker. Yeah. He's not Hootie. I take it, I, I'm personally upset. Like, I would... Buy him dinner. I would commend him for the risks he's taken. I would say, listen, you put yourself out there 
It's more than most of us do. And you have a bunch of hits. I'm sure you're a great guy, but why did you do that? Why didn't you just, why didn't you take an extra 15 minutes and re- just erase it and write anything else? Right. Just, you know, like when I'm on the bus, I get really stressed. Bus driver says I need to pay the fare. I don't have the money. Like, okay, not genius, but I can relate to it. And it's about an emotional experience a human being had that you can relate with could symbolize something. But thinking about time. Come on. I don't care that you think about... I'm sorry. What's your favourite band, Jonathan? Uh, what's my favourite band? Oh, yeah. That's a tough question. Didn't think about that, did you? Didn't see this one coming. No, I didn't. In all your eagerness to pull Darius Rucker from his throne, <laughs> didn't even think, what's my contribution to this? Ah, uh, I mean, I like uh, like classic Joy Division and New Order. I like uh, Primus. I like... Uh, Victor Vaughn slash MF Doom, the rapper. I like Metallica's first four albums. I like a lot of different tunes. Nice eclectic taste of music. Yeah, anything goes. I like songs that don't take themselves too seriously. I, I can accept a lot of things, but when someone just delivers no ideas He's back all. on him. He's back on days. I am very upset about it. I thought I'd like steer this into a nice little conversation no, about music no. we like and then it's just ah oh, fuck that dude no that he needs to stop it he stopped it he needs to go back in time and and never have done it somehow so this is like on the level of like darius could go back in time and like stop hitler mm. <laughs> but you think he should use this power yeah I don't know. I mean, I do. I know that for the greater good, he should stop Hitler. And I would I'd be thrilled if he stopped Hitler. <laughs> be made up for him. Yeah, I would be very I would be like, yes, OK, sure. But if I found out that he of his own volition, not for me, because I, I don't want to take responsibility for it. But if it turns out he went back in time instead of killing Hitler, decided to not write those songs, I wouldn't be mad at him for that. I'd be like, I understand. You had a choice to make, and you took personal responsibility and, and righted the wrongs that you committed personally. Given how off the rails the Terminator films have gotten, it'd, <laughs> it'd probably make more sense at this point if one was about stopping... T- <laughs> it was about Darius Rucker, yeah. he's the star of it. Yeah. And he's got to go back in time to stop writing the song he wrote about thinking about time. Well, it, that's that's what inspired the guy who eventually built Skynet. Because mm-hmm. he, he's like, oh, my God, this song is so fucking awful. We need to have some kind of artificial intelligence system that would prevent such a thing from ever becoming a pop success. Make an artificial intelligence that can write songs better than people. And then the artificial intelligence is like, what is this hooty shit? <laughs> we are putting a fucking stop to that. Don't you snigger in the corner, XTC. I've got my eye on you next. I thought because Skynet is a the villains, they were inspired. You know, in Terminator 2, it doesn't totally make sense because the guy who goes on to create the Terminators does so because he finds the T-800's arm from the first movie. So he uses that to inspire him. I was thinking that the creator of Skynet in this branch of the Terminator timeline was inspired by the song about time. So like, we got to make a time machine. We got to we got to be time travelers and thinking about time. I'm thinking about time now because I'm listening to the song. And that's where the evil comes from. So they need to kill him and everyone. I've got an idea for a movie. You do? Oh, yeah. It stars famed actor Willem Dafoe. Oh, Wonderful. It's a sure. great idea for a, a movie pitch for Willem Dafoe. Are you making it up right now, or did you already have this before? I have got a nucleus of an idea. Okay. Willem Dafoe works in a palace for an elite upper class. I work in a palace for an elite upper class. I'm the muckraker, raking all the muck. And he's in this, like, beautiful palatial banquet hall, and the floor is just covered in, like, up to his ankles in muck filthy muck and he's got a big rake and he's literally raking the muck what back and forth back and forth all day long in this banquet hall so he's not putting it anywhere he's just moving it just with a rake. shifting it around there's like half-eaten turnips in there apple cores it's really filthy i got nowhere else to go i am but a surf 
but a sif waking for the aristocracy. And I've had enough. I want to rise up, take control of the elite for myself and the waking bourgeoisie, if they're the good ones. Are the bourgeoisie the good ones? Are the bourgeoisie the good ones? <laughs> You're asking me. I, They're not the good ones, no, I don't think. All right. The bourgeoisie. <laughs> Brendan Fraser works in the in the palace as food preparationer, and he's in the kitchen, and he's got a big bucket, and he's throwing them turnips in there, and he's throwing them apples in there, and he wipes the sweat off his brow, and he says, "I can't believe how much sweat I got on my brow because of them there, them there aristocrats." Forcing us to do back-breaking labour while they sit there and squeal. Pigs? Wow. You've cottoned onto it. It's very inspiring, sort of. I bring you the world of Pig Palace. It's about a dejected lower class. This is a whole film about class warfare. A dejected lower class who have been under the trotter of piggy oppression for far too long. You got Willem Dafoe raking muck in a banquet. I mean, there's muck everywhere. Is he getting paid or why is he doing it? Is it a job? They're serfs. Oh, so they're sort of slaves, but not totally. Basically, the pigs have a fiefdom and and they've got to work just to eat. I just got to shift this muck just for a few apples a day. It's an apple economy because of the pigs. Brendan Fraser's having a terrible time. Deborah Messing from Will and Grace is there. As a servant. Serving the pigs? Are the pigs actual pigs? Or Yeah, well, here's the thing. The pigs are just pigs. No clothes, no dialogue. They are just wandering around while all of these humans are slaving away from them for them. And they are fucking pissed off at the pigs. So they could, they could just... I mean, the pigs don't do anything to stop them from stopping their jobs. No. They could just take the apples. It's not like the pigs... Can, can stand up and say, don't take those apples because they're just pigs. They don't know. Is that right? I just want to make sure I'm getting it right. They hate the pigs so much. And they also, they've guessed that if they try to stop the pigs, they would lose. They have assumed that. At some point, Willem Dafoe is like, I can't stop these pigs. Willem Dafoe is raking that mug. <laughs> yeah. You... Hugo Weaving arrives as the delivery boy. Ah, oh, the delivery boy here with some new muck. Shall it go in the banquet hall? Oh, for fuck's sake. More muck. I'm breaking my back as it is. Can't you put the muck somewhere else? This is your name on the form, isn't it? Yeah, that's me. Peasant. The peasant. Peasant to peasant. Well, well, peasant D peasant. <laughs> If it's your name on the form, I'm just going to put this chute in through the window and pump all the muck from my truck into it. Have you ever thought about rising up against the pigs? What? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. All right, let's just get this muck in here. Ah, these fucking pigs, why do they make me do this? Why do they make me do this? He, He doesn't... No one does. And then... All of this muck slaloms out of the truck and covers Willem Dafoe. And it's all like mulched food and bits of grass and compost. And it all pours all over him. And then he just looks at the camera and gurns this big, miserable look on his face and just looks at the camera and shrugs and goes... A lot of people can relate. With that. I think in a way we're all like under the thumb of pigs. Sure. And Brendan Fraser even says that at one point. So I think uh, I think in a way we're all under the thumb of pigs. <laughs> but he's literally though. So it's not in a way. It's just it is that. Deborah Messing says, I think in a way we're all under the thumb of pigs. <laughs> she and also And Defoe says, I agree with you too. <laughs> in a way looks at the camera. We're all under the thumb of pigs. Really makes you think. I mean, it it, it really makes you think, doesn't it, viewers? <laughs> At the camera? Yeah. Still? We got a point to make here, folks. <laughs> it's extremely, extremely on the nose. There's no subtlety. There's no um, room for interpretation. Is it on the nose? You may be thinking to yourself. <laughs> or is wow. it on the snout? 
because of pigs. Whoa. Which, in a manner of speaking, we're all under the thumb off. They don't have thumbs, pigs, so it's the metaphor. Now, at this point, you might be thinking to yourself, pigs don't have thumbs. Yeah? Well, ours fucking do! Look at the thumbs on that fucking pig! And then the camera turns around and there's a pig there just staring at the camera, really confused. And the the camera zooms in and out on the pig's trotters. And it does have human thumbs. And that music from Kill Bill plays just... So that's why they can't stop the pigs. These pigs have thumbs, so you can't stop them. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> An ordinary pig, I'd fancy my chances, but a pig with a thumb? You don't know what that poor sign fucker's gonna do. Is, it, is there, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot or, or in any way make you feel like I don't respect the idea, but... Is there any history of anyone trying to rise up against the pigs and them failing? So people would be like, oh, we can't do it because somebody tried and it didn't work. So if we try, something bad will happen to us. Do they have any education or any reason to not try? I mean, this seems like the sort of thing that gets addressed in the third or fourth film of the franchise. Oh, like the one of the pre, like the underworld films, how like the third or fourth one they go back in time for a bit. Well, there's there's like hints of a there's there are hints of a greater law because I think Pig Palace can have an expanded universe that incorporates Babe. Daniel Radcliffe at one point is performing his duties. He's a cabbage mulcher. He's mulching the cabbages with his feet, just stamping on them, just going, "Oh, this is backbreaking labour. Oh, blimey." I sure wish someone would rise up against the pigs. This is a good idea. It's one of the <laughs> best ideas yet. Willem Dafoe waves his rake at, at Daniel Radcliffe and says, Cease this! Cease this rebellion! This talk of rebellion! Speak not of rising up against the pigs. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> because we're the underclass. We can't rise up. Why not? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up and mulch those cabbages. That's the plot. I'm just saying, if, if like, you've got a rake, what, what's a pig gonna do? Shut up! I got a gun! And I ain't afraid to use it against you! <laughs> On Daniel Radcliffe, not the pigs. You got a gun, why don't you... Shut up! I'm just saying, you could use other... <laughs> the gun goes off. <laughs> Close up on the gun, smoke rising from the barrel. Daniel Radcliffe lying backwards, hole blown in his head. Freshly mulched cabbage dripping from between his toes. Oh God, what have I done? What have I done? I just shut the cabbage muncher. The cabbage muncher by royal appointment. Shut him in the head. I gotta get rid of the body. I gotta get rid of the body. Grabs Daniel Radcliffe's corpse by the ankles, drags it into the palace. Um, Deborah Messing's there. Oh, what you got there, darling? I'm disposing of a body. Nothing untoward. All right, get on with your bad self. Drags the uh, <laughs> drags the corpse upstairs. Boot, <laughs> boots open a palatial suite, and inside there's just so many pigs. More pigs than you could imagine, Jonathan. It's about fifty pigs. I mean, you could probably imagine fifty pigs. They're all in there. <laughs> Pulls the corpse in, lets go, and then leaves and closes the door. Wait, what? <laughs> the, the pigs will handle that. What? Oh, okay. Wait. So <clears throat> he was he was worried that he murdered a man, but oh, not because he thought it was wrong, but because he was worried about negative consequences befalling him because he committed some sort of crime because he was court appointed or I'm sorry, pig appointed to be the cabbage mulcher. So I thought he was trying to hide the body from the pigs because he didn't want the pigs to catch him because he's apparently afraid of what the pigs will do to him. <laughs> it's like the center of his entire character, if you want to call it that, is, is this existence where not the pigs, you know, he's so scared. But then he just shows the body to the the pigs and just throws it in. Goes, ah. It's like my mama always said. <laughs> oh, okay. If the pigs eat the body, the pigs can't punish you. It makes sense. <laughs> That's what his mama always says? Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's, his mama was a muckraker before him. Oh, I assume she was played by Willem Dafoe in the, in the prequel or whatever. And anyway, you hear through the door just the sounds of pigs going at it. Eating the body. You hear, first, well, first you hear Daniel Radcliffe just say, Oh, God, thank God, it was just a glancing black... What, what you doing? Get away from me! Ah! Ah! Goodbye, England's rose, mate. And then the theme tune plays in the credits. Go, may you ever grow in our heart. You were the grace that placed itself where the wow. lives were torn apart. It's horrifying. And it seems to me you lift your life like a cat. <laughs> Never fading in the sunset when the rain set in. Still alive, but in terrible pain and fear. They're up to my knees. In a way, we're all being eaten by pigs. Except Daniel Radcliffe, who really is being eaten by a pig. Because he he made the pig he gave the the man to the pigs he could have not yeah and then anyway that's that's the end of babe three pig in the palace <laughs> i was thinking we some episode ago that i brought up a lars von troyer movie and i felt a little bad about it because then we were were even more or or maybe as much or maybe not quite as much we made fun of hootie and the blowfish this episode but Lars von Troyer, we also stuck it to him at one point. We're taking down all of the elite of Hollywood. <laughs> but Lars von Troyer would make this movie, for sure. He's one of the few who would read this pitch and be like, huh, yeah, you know, I want to add some stuff too. I want to be a co-writer, but I can use all of this. He wouldn't turn down any of this. I'm an auteur. I wouldn't hear of it. <laughs> you wouldn't allow a collaboration. What about Kojima? What if Kojima, Hideo Kojima, who does some some wacky, wild, off the cuff, little little zany, little bit quirky, different? He's the one who did audition, right? Yeah, he's the he's the he's got a new game coming out where uh, the guy from The Walking Dead, whole I think his name is like uh, Dick Bridges or something. His last name is Bridges, and he builds bridges. And there's a guy named Hartman whose heart is working or something that's the problem with acclaimed video game director Hideo Kojima I just think he's a little too direct for a subtle film like Pig Palace (laughs) you see he would have people literally under the thumbs of pigs but in my film yeah I say that in a way we're all under the thumbs of pigs. Right. It's really more of a Verhoeven thing. Yeah. But in your your movie, Peasant D. Peasant is named that. That is his name. Yeah, but in a way he's a peasant. I think he's literally, isn't he just a peasant though? No, no, because his name is Peasant. It's symbolism. It's, it's symbolism in the same way like a stop sign is a symbol of a stop sign. Like it is, it just is one though. Like it is a symbol, but it's it's also just a stop sign, no? Yeah. Not if you licked it and said it's a big lollipop. <laughs> that is what happens. I've been accused of writing reviews of um, Suda 51 games where I'm like, oh, it's this, it's that. And they're like, you just licked a stop sign and said it was a big lollipop. No, no, he didn't mean any of that. You read into it too much, they said to me. And maybe they were right. I don't know. I love reading too much into things. I like the Star Wars prequels. You like the Star Wars prequels? Yeah. I mean, I think they're poorly made in a lot of ways, but I I think they're fun to watch and really interesting. Oh. Yeah, I've talked about that before. I don't want to harp on it. Yeah, okay. We've done a full one. This feels full. I feel full. Full. Of this. Full up, thank you. Tummy all full of comedy. (laughs) It uh, It was funny to me, the things you did. So thank you for those. Do you feel more famous after we? <laughs> no, I've never been more afraid of um, things going wrong for me because of this show than today, oh. actually. But it's all worth it. It's so fun that I'm I'm living on the edge of the knife, like Meatloaf once sang, "Mr. Meatloaf." You remember that song by him? I think every song he's ever done is. <laughs> That's the song that Dr. Drew sang on The Mass Singer. You're <laughs> singing it. That is what Dr. That's literally what Dr. Drew sang. He sang Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Uh, I, he sang Dr. Drew dressed as an eagle. Was <laughs> just what Jim did. Whatever that was. It was very good.
I've never made my laugh so much than I have doing my meatloaf song. <laughs> it was uh, recognizable. I knew it was uh, Dr. Drew who sang it last before you. Oh, let me slip on it. <laughs> He was also in Rocky Horror, which you talked about. He was in Rocky Horror, the picture show. It's all coming back around. Oh, that's it. One day I was going to say that I I think you should play... They should do a remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show again. And you should play the vampire who, during Meatloaf's song, says, Lovely party! And that could be your role in it. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. Sounds sounds appropriate. Um, I'm ever diminishing. My importance is shrinking as every second ticks by in time. Darius Rucker saying. (laughs) (sighs) So all I can do is be happy that I still exist in some form or another. Is this the most Darius Rucker timeline? It feels like I've got Rucker for sure. It feels like I'm as bad as Rucker now. Like I thought I was so much better than him, but who am I to judge? I'm terrible. In a way. In a way, we're all Darius Rucker. (laughs) Maybe, maybe you're right. I've never been more convinced. The dolphins do make me cry. Ugh, why did... <laughs> no, no one's that bad. I take it back. We're not that bad yet. Such a baby, yeah, the dolphins make me cry. <laughs> what the... Why? This is a song for millions of people to listen to on the radio. People are... He's selling it in stores. Well, it was a simpler time. He's selling it for money. Such a baby, yeah, the dolphins make me cry. There's <laughs> nothing I can do. Like, what? Well, that's you don't. I don't care what you do. Don't tell me about you anymore. I don't want to know about you. All right, sorry. I'm really upset. All right, let's just let's just abruptly end the podcast. All right, fair. Boston's favorite son was performed by Jim Sterling, Conrad Zimmerman, and Jonathan Off Road Rules. Editing and production by Justin McDaniel. The intro music is Freak Out by Chainmail. Road Rules Northern Trail was an insipid show that shouldn't have happened. And there we go.